Hi, Matt here at Sweat Elite. Today we've got a really interesting guest in the podcast. Knox Robinson is the founder of First Run. You can find First Run on Instagram. They've got a very interesting and engaging Instagram account for runners. Knox has worked alongside Nike. He's trained alongside Mo Farah in Ethiopia before the 2018 London Marathon earlier this year. He's trained alongside Ilya Kipchoge in Kenya and he attended last year's Breaking 2 project in Monza, Italy where Ilya Kipchoge uh, ran just over two hours for the marathon, two hours and 25 seconds. So we talk about all of those topics in this podcast for around about 45 minutes. So enjoy the podcast. Before you do, I'd just like to make a quick mention of the book that we've just published on Amazon this time, not on our website, uh, about our experience with Elliot Kipchoge in Kenya last year when we went to train with him for a month, or train alongside him, should I say. We definitely didn't do much training with him, couldn't keep up. But uh, that is on Amazon now. It's just hit the number one in the category of jogging and running, which we're very happy about. You can find it by searching Elliot Kipchoge History's Fastest Marathoner, and I hope you enjoy. Here's Knox. Thanks very much, uh, Knox Robinson, for joining me today on the Sweat Elite podcast. Knox has a fascinating story. He's uh, spent some time training with Mo Farah and the Mudane, I think it's pronounced, group in Ethiopia. Mudani, Mudani. Mudani. Yeah, they're pressing it, Mudani, yeah. (laughs) Mudani, I better get that right. Um, Before the London Marathon last year, and he spent some time with Elliot Kipchoge in Kenya as well as attended the uh, Monza Sub 2 Nike uh, event last year in Italy. Um, so thanks very much for joining me today, Knox. I'm excited to, to be rapping with you for sure. <laughs> cool. I guess we can get started by talking a little bit more about yourself and your background. Um, you were a runner uh, in, in high school and in college. You attended Wake Forest University and got yourself to, uh, I guess, a decent standard before taking some time away from the sport, but then you were drawn back, uh, I, I guess, some some 10 years later or, or thereabouts. I guess it'd be good to talk a little bit more about, about uh, I guess, what took you away and then what drew you back and, and where you're at now. You know, I, I, I think, you know, really what, what happened was it, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, like, legions of, 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 of runners will tell you how hard it is to make that leap from, um, you know, passionate high school runner to walking on a top level program. I mean, Wake Forest university in the mid to late nineties when I, when I walked on was for a very small school, um, had an incredibly credentialed distance program for this moment in time. I mean, when I walked into the locker room at my first year, uh, half of the United States junior cross country team was there in the locker room. So, you know, like we had guys in there, you know, like beyond just all Americans, we had just um, a bunch of dudes who loved getting a cracking. And on the women's side, there was also like great athletes as well. So um, it was amazing and it was a, a tight knit group. Um, I, I, I kind of, on, on a good day, I was kind of scratching at that 10th man position. Um, but it was also really challenging to kind of keep going and, and stay inspired, um, when, you know, you're, you're just kind of like 18, 19 years old, figuring it out. You're not there on athletic scholarship and, you know, there's a bunch of other interests exploding around you. And so I got to the point where it was, it was kind of make or break. And I, and I, 
I kind of had um, a couple sort of like disappointing kind of moments on, on my own accord. And, and so I just, you know, stopped running. I, now I'm so deep in it um, all this time later that it's weird to think that I just made the decision to stop. But that's what I love about what I'm doing now is like I want to kind of share back with like young people that your own passion for running and your own pursuit, whether they're competitive or non-competitive or performance-based or just, you know, feeling good about yourself and your body, it doesn't really have to be dependent on a university scholarship and, and, and being part of a team. You can do it on a team. You can do it on your own. You can form your own team. You can form your own crew. And I, I hope to share with, with folks that you can kind of do it for the course of your life. It's not just, um, something you're going to do in your school age years. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I don't want to, uh, I guess b- before I, uh, go into the, to the quote that I read from you, I, I did, uh, I guess discover your content, uh, for the most part, I'd heard the name before, but on the, on the rich roll podcast, uh, and on the rich roll podcast, you, had a great quote that said running is an act of religion, uh, sorry, of, of rebellion. And you, and you go on to sort of talk about how, um, you know, nobody wants you to run. You're supposed to just be a digit, a one of, uh, or a one or a zero in the code. And you're not supposed to get out and think for yourself. And I think that that's, it, it's very, very true. And, and you can sort of go and do this on your, on your own. And as you sort of just pointed out, you don't have to have a university scholarship to, to sort of prove that. Yeah. I mean, to, to put it in a, <laughs> To put it in a better way, a less like strident way, like a uh, a friend of mine once told me, "You're only one, uh, you're only young once, but you can be immature for the rest of your life." So <laughs> <laughs> you definitely, you definitely are only young once, but you can definitely run wild for a really long time. Absolutely, and you yourself have run quite a fast half and marathon yourself. I just ran 70 minutes. I just ran 70 minutes and a half, like that's quick at Valencia uh, earlier right. this year. Oh, I was there as well. <laughs> it was incredible. It I was mean, very windy. Everyone, that day. it was windy. That's what I'm saying. Very Everybody windy. can talk junk, you know, talk trash. Like, oh, it was windy. It rained twice. It's only a half. It rained twice, in the and yeah. it was windy, cross, and in your face, and. You know, I don't know if you've ever raced in Europe, but like European dudes don't play. They're mean. Yeah. They're out for blood. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like cross country jabbing you in the ribs. These guys are like <laughs> these guys have like triangle formations. They're talking in front of you as they're running like, you know, seventy minutes for the half. They're surging. It's it's definitely very, very competitive in the way that like that sort of um sports culture in Europe is. And so it's awesome to just kind of like catch a plane from New York and, and then pop into the race. And yeah, I, I, I popped a big one. I was, that was wild. Yeah. Um, and I think so that was a high watermark for me for sure. Oh yeah. That's awesome. I, I knew you ran 70 minutes, but I actually didn't realize it was at Valencia and, and have, and, and being there that day, like I think most people ran at least sort of 30 seconds to a minute slower than their potential or their personal best. Most people, so I was I think, seventy low. I was seventy. You've got a, low. yeah. You've got a bit known, more to go here. <laughs> I was thinking if no. I would have known, I, I would have leaned in for a sixty-nine. But <laughs> I was finishing up with two younger guys, and they were really struggling. 
And so I like didn't want them to ruin my finish line photo. I didn't want them to like <laughs> head to the side. So I was like, hey, y'all go on ahead. Let me just love you. I'll give you all a little room so I can keep the finish line. <laughs> I'm impressed you were thinking this credibly at the end of a half marathon. Well done. <laughs> Look, t- times are going to come and go. But like a good photo, you need to like make sure <laughs> <Yeah>. it's crispy. <laughs> it was super windy between, I think, what, 10 and 16 kilometer mark. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, man. So I guess um, I think what what most people listening to this podcast would be super interested in um, would be about your time spent in Ethiopia uh, with Mo Farah's training group before before London Marathon last year. And although I sort of know the backstory about how that came about um, and how you were asked to go and and sort of what happened there, <laughs> I, I think it would be really cool to talk about about all of this over the next sort of ten or fifteen minutes because it is quite fascinating how you ended up there. And sort of some of the stories that came about there, for example, the, you know, the story about the, about the coffee, how they went to get some coffee one day and the coffee machine wasn't working and, and just the, just the general culture around there and how, um, I guess what you went in expecting it would be like, and then what it was actually like. So it would be really cool for us to chat a bit about that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, I don't want to call it a fluke, but it, it, it was just kind of like a hilarious chain of, of events uh before the new york city marathon i was um lucky to kind of be one of the last guys uh, uh accepted into the sub elite field so i rode out on the sub elite bus to the start line of the new york city marathon and was in the holding area with uh with the elite guys so you know everybody's in this sort of like indoor track area on staten island before the race a couple hours before the race super chill environment everybody's running around on the track um, men and women, elites and sub-elites. And uh, I, was, I had kind of been on like a several months meditation wave. So I go off to the side, I meditate, I come back. And then when I come back to, to the track, I'm not, I'm not really friends with any of like the elite runners on the New York City scene. You know, like they're like in like the rich guy clubs and they work on Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sort of like... <laughs> you know, an older black dude with like a chipped tooth and, you know, kind of like hangs out in Brooklyn. So I was like, I'm just going to go hang out with like the, the, the African dudes. Like I'm black. <laughs> which so is I'm a good move, which is a like great move. Like, hey, is this, this is like, this is the black section. Let me, let me hang out with the brothers. So, um, so I go over there and I knew Abdi. So at least I go over, sit by Abdi. I'm stretching. Meb's over there. Meb kind of like says what's up. And then, uh Camroar's there. Uh I think Stanley Bewatt was there. I knew Wilson uh Kipsang yeah. from uh meeting him in Berlin uh, a few weeks a few months before when he dropped out. So <laughs> I knew some of the guys. Um uh, I just like dropped my stuff down and hung out. And uh and then Abdi sort of to like make conversation was like, <laughs> uh hey man. And I'm thinking about New York. I'm thinking about like when I'm going to execute on First Avenue. I'm like in my zone. I'm trying to be cool, not trying to like fan out and like, you know, take selfies with these guys. And Abdi's like, hey, man, why don't you um, come out to Ethiopia? (laughs) I'm going to be there training with Mo, getting Mo ready for London. And I was like, yeah, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I just left it at that. I was like, yeah, cool. I will. He's like, yeah, cool. So, <laughs> so then, I mean, fast forward, I just booked a flight and like went out to uh, to the camp 
um, which is uh, probably north of Addis Ababa in, in this in this small little hamlet, this little town called Saluta, um, mm-hmm. where uh, Haile Gebre Selassie's complex is, and then across the street, of course, is uh, Kenanisa Bekele's complex, or his old place that uh, some Chinese guys bought. Um, so yeah, showed up in the middle of the night. They didn't have a room for me as planned. I went across the street and stayed at Kenny B's place. <laughs> Kenny's old place. It, that was one of the worst places I've ever slept in my life. And I've slept in a lot of tough places. This is Kenny Bikili's uh, accommodation? Yeah, but it hadn't been like kept up in like a couple of years because he sold it to like some Chinese investors and right. didn't it didn't maintain it. And now he's building a new place across the street. And right. that's where Mo trains. Okay. So Mo trains at Kenanisa's track, which is next door to Haile Geber Selassie's hotel and track. <laughs> right. Okay. So Mo was staying at Haile's place and training at Kenanisa's place. <laughs> A few big names there. <laughs> it was crazy. No, it was crazy. And then like, you know, Matt, uh, guys are just driving up. It was just, a, it was just, a, it's a wild town. It's a wild town to think that much elite sort of talent is like in and out as much as goat herders are there and like a church is like doing ceremonies in the middle of the night all night it was just really a wild scene very very different from the the peaceful sort of uh environment that ellie kiptoge trains in but i think mo farah really thrives on energy and excitement for sure yeah okay so that's how it came about um and i guess you've introduced us to like how what it was like coming into the te- um, to Saluta, which I'd like to talk yeah, a little bit more about. It's Abdi's that. fault. It's a bleak complaint on Abdi. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So you were staying in this little shack uh, yeah. across the road from Bikili's track, and yeah, and I guess then what, what I was couldn't the deal do there? That, like, so then, all oh, right, you changed the next day. Then I moved in. The, the next day, I moved into Haida Geber Selassie's right, yes, you know, sort of yep. hotel spot, and, and that was that was cool. So I, I stayed next door to Mo Abdi, um, Gabashir Abdi, who just got second in the ten thousand for Belgium at the European Championships, and then like a bunch of uh, young Somali guys uh, as well in the camp. Awesome. Okay, and I guess what was it? Yeah, what was it like? <laughs> living next to these guys and and being able to to i'm assuming you you mentioned in the podcast and, and to me before we started recording this that you you attended some some training runs and some training sessions so it'd be really cool to learn a bit more about what that experience was like yeah i mean yeah i i, I lived i mean i lived i don't want to say i lived with him because you're in the same room but i live next door yep. you know like and i ran with these guys two or three times a day um, I will say that I was in pretty good shape. Obviously, a month after that, I ran seventy minutes and a half. But, um, and I had I had spent some time at at altitude, the same altitude, at eight thousand feet or something like that, eight eight nine thousand feet in Mexico uh, the month before. So the altitude wasn't a big shock. But I will say that these guys on the easy runs, uh, definitely, <laughs> it was definitely a bit rough. You said it was also um, dead silent too in the. Pardon. Uh, you also said that it was it was very quiet in the easy runs in in the rich roll podcast. That, that's the thing, yeah. Like you, you know, you'd expect, um, and again, when you're in school or you're hanging out in your little run crew, or even honestly, you know, 
when you go out on your, your long run on the weekends and you're running whatever, 20, 22, 23 miles, you're catching up on the night before, you're, you're talking about this or that, you're unloading on the week, all that kind of stuff. Man, on the easy runs with these guys, they didn't talk at all. Mm-hmm. Like these runs at a casual pace for these guys, the runs were in complete silence. And that was like really unnerving that the easy runs were quiet. On the other hand, the most intense track workouts that I witnessed, and it's not like I was stepping on the track and running with these guys, but they had such a good vibe. Like you would have thought these guys were just like messing around and like in the off season, the way the vibe was. And then they're stepping on the track and they're running like four minute miles at altitude, <laughs> like on the track and the dudes are falling down and, you know, Mo is just like chewing through his pacers and, you know, there's the, the coaches on the bicycle trying to keep up. And meanwhile, while this happening, they're playing like Drake on the beats pill, you know, <laughs> Mo's asking people to take pictures of like his laps and video on the iPhone. So yeah. He can post it later he gave on Instagram. You his, he got you his phone and, and still, just said, Please. and he's still ripping through reps like wildly. I was like, this dude's <laughs> crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and there's so I, many I things really I want to I want to dive into there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess firstly, I'd like to know uh, before we talk about the track stuff. Um, when you were talking about the easy runs and they were sort of, you know, quite they were, they were quiet, but you also said before that they were rough. I mean, what sort of what sort of pace are these guys punching up there? And and, and mind you, before we get into that, I guess the altitude is what it's it's two thousand seven hundred meters, which or, or thereabouts, which is some what's that in feet. Uh, close to 8,000. So yeah. yeah. So what Addis Ababa you said is, is 2,700 meters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's this casual running for them at like 27, 2,800 meters. Um, and then, you know, sometimes on their long runs, they might do like an uphill long run or, the, you know, there's a, there's a, a hill or a mountain right next to the training camp that these guys didn't do it, but a lot of athletes would run right up and that's, you know, close to, to 10,000 feet. So 3,300 meters or something like that. Wow. Um, that's, that's pretty intense. I mean, if you look at, I don't, I don't know what, you know, a lot of other places around the world are, but as far as in the United States, um, even a lot of these training locales in, in Colorado, um, are, are much more, uh, casual of altitude than, than that, oh, like, yeah. uh, closer, closer to, to 64, 6,400 feet or something like that. Not yeah. to, to diss any of my friends in Colorado, but <laughs> this was not that. This was like getting up and eating oatmeal at eight thousand feet, and then <laughs> you know um, going out. And you know, like I said, I I was in shape. I mean, I even went out and ran like my little twenty mile Boston marathon training run on my little Boston course before I went, and I was like ripping off paces. I was fit and went out to Ethiopia. And, uh, man, these guys are running, I don't know, these guys are running quick on their easy runs, you know, even their jog was just kind of like, I was having to work. <laughs> uh, it was embarrassing cause I was in good shape and they're looking at me like, eh, you know, the only thing that saved me was like going out on a, on a, you know, on the long run and, uh. Cause I looked like I was dragging. I was tired. I didn't look real. Obviously I'm not stepping in their workout. So they didn't know what it was. And when we went out on long runs, 20 milers, 22 milers, 
the fact that I was able to do, you know, a 20 mile run in two hours, two hours and, you know, one minute with like no support or like minimal, minimal fueling and hydration at, at 8,000 feet or 9,000 feet. They're like, oh, oh, okay, okay, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> because when it came to just for the easy miles, the, the seven, eight, nine, ten miles, man, I, it was rough. Yeah. Well, but that's the level. That's the shape he's in. I mean, Mo, Mo, Mo's in, Mo, Mo Farah's in shape this year for sure, as you've seen by you know him, his run at London, and then his his run at uh, the Great North Run, and then I mean excited to see what he's going to do in Chicago this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting to see how he goes there and whether or not he takes some more time off his uh, off his personal best. But um, yeah, no, thanks for, for sure. sort of painting that picture about how it how what it was like to do the 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 more aerobic running with them and I guess it would be cool to touch a little bit more on what the track sessions were like and and what it felt like to be there and um, I love the the story that you you told on the Rich Roll podcast about how Mo was just like Hey man, can you uh, can you get my phone from my bag and here's my password and just open it up right. and take photos? <laughs> this is, you know, like <laughs> this is this is not even in the beginning of the workout. This is like halfway through the workout during like a uh, during the recovery. He's like, hey mate, can can you go in my bag and get get my phone, the red phone? He had like he had two iPhone X's. Like I I. I'm from New York. I got cool luggage. <laughs> you know, I work with I work with Nike. I got like I got the prototype of the Peg Turbos. I got a couple pairs of four percents in the bag. You know, I, I'm cool, but I, I <laughs> didn't get the iPhone X before I went out. I didn't want to like drop it. I didn't want to get robbed, whatever. So I go out to Ethiopia. Mo's got two iPhone X's. I was like, oh man, this guy's embarrassing me, yo. Like <laughs> he's asking me to go in his bag gives me the passcode and then like wants me to take like photos and videos of him as he's doing his workout so he can post them to IG later. <laughs> and then after I did it, he didn't even use them. Like he didn't even think like the photos and the videos were that good. Like he didn't like, I failed. <laughs> That's the worst part. Oh, no. I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't told anybody that yet, but he didn't even use any of the stuff I took. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, yeah, oh, okay, um, yeah, cool, not bad, yeah. I was like, oh man, come on, <laughs> like the angle. I'm laying down at the track. I'm trying to do artistic shots as he goes by. Yeah, he didn't really respect my uh, my <laughs> my social media <laughs> my social media my social media technique. He didn't really respect it, so it's okay. <laughs> awesome, but um. Uh, but no, it was incredible, man. Like, just I, I, it just made me think. Like, you know, usually you think that an elite has got to like approach the most serious sessions with with the most seriousness of purpose or the most serious demeanor. But you know, you you got to choose the demeanor that works for you. And and I realized it's about creating a good environment and creating a good vibe and having good energy and then that's going to push you to better performances rather than some real intense situation where um you know you're kind of on on the on the on the wrong side of of pressure and and uh and and and, and intensity you know what i mean Absolutely. it was better to create a vibe 
and then just to like have Mo get stoked and then tear up the track (laughs) rather than just kind of like, can I do it? I'm going to run against this impossible workout and then fail. Like (laughs) the other thing is this guy loves, and this is what I wanted to bring back and also share with people in my group, black roses, but also with other folks in, in the running world at large. Like this guy loves the challenge. Like, you know, you're used to it. People dread the long run. Like, Oh, I'm worried about my long run this weekend. Oh, I can't believe I have to do this long run this weekend. We always speak about our biggest challenges. I mean, as regular people, like in negative terms, you know, but Mo would be sitting around at lunch on Tuesday, already excited and chatting about the long run on Sunday. Yeah. Like at one point, he was pitching the coach. He was like, oh, Sunday we might go to this other place and run with um, the Ethiopian group. And the coach is like, no, 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 no. Because, right, <laughs> Mo was excited to go to, like, another location for the long run and do the long run with, like, the Ethiopian national team and Ethiopian elites. Right. That's really Rather than like hiding in a camp or my training a secret or whatever, he wanted to go and have the Sunday long run with other guys in the best of the world, like away from cameras, away from whatever, just for the battle. Like yeah. the light in his eyes that, that went up when he was like trying to get his coach to let him go <laughs> run with these guys. And the coach is like, no, you're not going to do that because as soon as you guys get out there, you're going to start going and then you're going to start going crazy. And Mo's like, no, no, it's going to be chill. He was actually asking the coach. He was telling him like, no, it's going to be fine. It's just friendly. We're just going to go out and have a good time. And the coach is like, no way. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this dude not only is like, it's Tuesday. And he's already like chomping at the bit for the long run. <laughs> yeah. But weekend. also he wants to go and race these other dudes that he or, – or run with these other dudes that he races at the Olympics and championships and the marathon. Yeah. He was like wanting to do that for fun. <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Just for the battle. Just for the war. Like, yeah. That was inspiring. So I'm trying to like really come back and like change the own culture around my own group that everyone like gets excited for the long run on the weekends and people get excited. You hit them with the workout and then they're like, yeah, let's do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, I want that excitement because it's, it's, that's going to change the vibe and then that's going to change the results. Absolutely. It's really interesting topic this actually, because uh, I just spent, uh, I guess the better part of a decade living in Europe and, and I lived in Finland for the most part, and and in that country, and I know it was quite similar in other countries in Europe. It was very common for the for for it sort of essentially be the exact opposite of what you just said. In a way that people would train on their own, they wouldn't want to train with other people because they had a set program that they wanted to follow from their coach. And it was almost like I was living in Helsinki, and it was almost like there was quite a lot of good runners around the town, but they were all sort of training on their own. And the idea of of getting together and doing something like you've just described, like a whole bunch of guys that are all competing against each other just to like punch out a hard tempo run. Like that was, that was like no way would anyone ever come up with that or do that. And it's, <laughs> it's just like, it was not even a thought. Like, so it was really quite interesting that that's how Mo was, was sort of, that's how Mo is and how, how he, he sees it. And that's what he wants to do. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really quite interesting. It's, um, 
but I, I guess mean, more it's people understandable. Do. I mean, I, I come out of that and like keeping workouts a secret and training on your own, but it's, it's like, um, um, and it plan. And that doesn't mean that like Mo doesn't follow a, a, a schedule, but as you know, at sweat elite, there's only a certain number of workouts that to do there's only i mean there's only a certain kind of workout to do there's only a certain yeah. handful of approaches Absolutely. you know um so what are you really going to do to get that little edge especially when we know that that edge is like 0.5 seconds or 0.2 seconds yeah you know exactly right what is the edge it's it's mentality and experience and like I don't know. Of course, we love that cliche of like the loneliness of the long distance runner. We love that. But I, I love seeing Mo, you know, having a whole training group of friends. And when they weren't training, they sat around and listened to music and laughed about a bunch of stuff and talked about soccer and, you know, or football rather or whatever. And, and just like had a good time. And then when it came to to really go to that to the highest heights it was uh game on it was it was it was game on yeah. it was you know it was it was fascinating yeah um i i really found it interesting too that you, on the rich roll podcast that you spoke about how they didn't ever know what the training session was ahead of them until they were like warmed up at the track right yeah and how again I, you sort of yeah. said yourself like oh there's you know you, you know no, nothing against all the people that have these sort of training program scheduled out for months on end, on end and, and so on. But these guys like Mo, I think you, you said it well, like Mo is, is thinking in his head, it could be one of many things before the training session. It's, and that's, you were talking about how that could be used as an advantage. Yeah. I had to step back and think about it because it's like, like I said, I wasn't stepping on the track and like jumping in his workouts. Mm. You know, a couple of times the guys was like, "Are you jumping in on this one?" I was like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys were cool. It wasn't like I just like you know. I, I, but I was on the sidelines and I was just watching because it was it was better to it was an education when you got to get to see one of the best guys in the world at the office, you know, yeah. uh, day in and day out. So it was just fascinating to watch um, that 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 particular approach, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you also said that you had a lot of people after the trip, uh, not so much ask about the workouts, but they were asking about like the diet and the, the, the yeah, I think you I said mean, it, it was, was like it a was peanut cool butter or something, like a recipe or something like well, that. Well, yeah, I just think that like, you know, in, in these days, we love, I mean, Elliot Kipchoge is so inspiring. His words are so inspiring. His life, his, his, his just entire aura is, is, uh, super inspirational and aspirational. Mm -hmm. And then Mo's personality is infectious and what he's done for, for the culture, you know, what Abdi's done, like all these guys are, are great personalities. And I like, I like, I like learning about that. I like studying, studying that. And so, you know, a lot of times Mo's coach um, was really afraid that I was going to like leak this or that workout. Uh, you know, I was taking notes or whatever and writing down the workouts. Was worried I was going to like leak a certain kind of workout. I understand that. It's, it's intellectual property and Mo is heading up 
for London Marathon and and Bekele and Kipchoge were entered in the race. So I understand it was it was in, it was uh, the pressure was on. But uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, no one ever asked me about a workout. People wanted to know what the diet was. People wanted to know uh, about Mo drinking coffee, Ethiopian coffee, which is of course like an incredible uh, coffee experience. People wanted to know about uh, this drink that uh, they have in the camps out there, peanut butter tea, and the recipe for peanut butter tea. <laughs> so, you know, it's really an interesting moment right now that we're in that people want to know not like what it is, but how it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing a good, you know, 20 minutes there of, you know, your experiences in Ethiopia. I think it's a perfect time to sort of transition to, to your time spent with Eliud Kipchoge yeah. in, in Kenya. Um, so I'm actually not that mu- so much familiar with this experience that you had, but you did go to Kenya once. So, mm-hmm. and you did spend some time in, in Captigat as did we around a year ago now training alongside him before Berlin. But it would yeah. be really cool to learn a bit more about, about how you, about your experience in Captigat and, and, and training alongside that, the global, uh, NN running team. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, much respect to the global and then running team, and I definitely wasn't like training alongside of them, and, and didn't. And it was it was much different from the the the, the Mo Fair experience. I was there sort of independently, um, and then with uh, with um, and Captain I was there as, as part of a, a Nike team, you know, working on a project just to kind of like connect with Elliot around that fly print innovation, that three D printed uh, shoe that came out earlier in the year for, for a few elites to, to race in. So it was more just a, a chance to kind of connect with Elliot off the radar, um, Jeffrey, um, Abel. Um, and then also like I, I had connected with, uh, Patrick Sang, who's a master coach and I'm just a master human being. Um, and so having spent time with, uh, coach Patrick Sang, uh, the year before in Berlin and then being able to connect with him, uh, back in, in, in Captagat was, uh, an experience that brought all his, uh, training and coaching philosophies and acumen to life. So it was more just a, a sort of overall cohesive experience and a chance to witness that rarefied element, uh, and environment of, of, uh, Kenyan distance training, like first person. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess, you're, you're you're such a uh, you're very well very good at describing and, and I guess painting a picture and I think it would be really cool to spend maybe a minute now describing what what it's like in Captagat um, and, and and coming into Eldoret and and then what I guess what the little village is is like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've seen the visuals, you know, you know, it's just like one highway coming into a town. It's like that through much of East Africa. Um, as as uh, so much Chinese investment is helping build roads and like just to really kind of uh, ease with the, <laughs> the export of natural resources, so there's like a uh, a uh, you know a, a main two lane highway, blacktop highway, um, but but Elliot's camp, uh, uh, the NN running camp or the or the global the global sports the global sports communication right GSC camp. Um, where Elliot's lived for since his his late teens, or for the past fourteen or fifteen years, if if not more, um, was was really incredible. Uh, people know it's 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 super simple and austere, 
um, cinder block constructions, but at the same time, they also do have solar panels and solar energy that was installed last year. So we're really kind of looking at a, a well-thought-out uh, training environment um, for the express purpose of like pursuing excellence in, in long-distance running. Um, athletes would go out, and, and of course, you've seen the photos of them tearing up these dirt tracks and, and these amazing training groups, um, star-studded training groups on the track. And then you've seen, you know, you, or, or have heard stories of the long runs where 200 people, 250 people yeah. show up for the long run. Um, but back in the camp, it's really amazing. It's just the best athletes in the world sitting around on plastic lawn chairs, kind of checking their phones, playing like the latest music, from you know their scene like on their phones doing some dances and then you know sipping tea and and just kind of like joking and giving each other a tough time uh <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of jokes and, and revelry um and then obviously because it's a self-sustaining operation all the athletes in the camp are assigned different duties and and uh and details so on one day, Elliot Kipchoge and Jeffrey Kemmerer might be tasked to clean the latrines, yeah. uh, even as they're, uh, you know, <laughs> the best runners in the world, the world champions in the in the half marathon, and you know, world record holders in the marathon, and all that. So, dudes still have to clean the toilets. Um, <laughs> it's super humbling experience. And the other thing is, even though Elliot's the an elder in the camp he doesn't always like set the schedule or set the responsibilities. Sometimes it's the younger athletes who do the assignment. That's how, you know, horizontal the structure is, um, that like everybody has a part in everything. So even the younger athletes have to have not just labor, but also the responsibility when it comes to, um, assigning duties and stuff in the camp. That's really interesting. And so how long did you spend out, out there? I was there a week, a little over a week. Mm-hmm. And do you did you uh, manage to get to E10? Uh, no, I was just in Eldoret. I was supposed to go and have dinner with um, Ali Kiefer. Do you know about Ali Kiefer? She's mm. a super exciting runner on the U.S. scene who yeah. surprised a bunch of people um, with a uh, a big finish at New York City Marathon last year. Yep. Um, after kind of working her way into elite status. Yep. Um, later on and now she's really been been, been tearing up uh, the roads over the past year so shout out Allie Kiefer and she's uh, she's poised for like a big New York City marathon uh, coming up in a few weeks but anyways Allie was over there training at E10 um, and uh, I don't know if she was living with Betsy Saina but yeah she's like ah oh, come over for dinner but I really underestimated how hard it is to get from Eldoret to E10. They're not that far apart as the crow flies around Google, but yeah. <laughs> or even in an Uber. But um, the reality of, of transport between the two places is uh, is is a little tough. So yeah. I didn't I didn't make it out there. Okay. Oh, well, good. Well, yeah. Thank you once again for sharing that um, stories about that experience. Um, uh, and I guess a couple more things it'd be good to talk about. The first one um, is you attended the the Monza Nike sub two, I guess, what was the official name of the race? Sorry, I'm mind blanking, but it was the, well, officially it wasn't a race. Yeah. The, <laughs> the uh, challenge, uh, I guess. Or what, what, what was it? 
It was an experience. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like yeah. Woodstock wasn't a concert. Tom you know what Tom. I mean? Jimi Hendrix said, "Have you ever been experienced?" Monzo was an experience. So, yeah. um, Monzo was an attempt to see if uh, an attempt to break two hours in a, in over twenty six point two miles. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's how you would put it cleanly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was incredible. I mean, obviously, you know, it was it was on a on a Formula One, a, a very famous Formula One track in Monza, Italy, um, and uh, along with Eli Kipchoge. Uh, who else did we have there? It was a uh, Zersene uh, Tedesse, yeah, and um, the young Ethiopian guy. I don't remember his name, but he was the one that uh, did he. Did he drop out or did he run and he was a little bit far, far back? No, everybody finished. They I mean, finished. like th- those three guys finished and then they had a team of, of all-star pacers. So even the, the pacers were incredible. You know, Bernard Lagat, uh, Chris Derrick, uh, Lopez Lamong. So it was it was really, again, to use the word, the phrase star-studded, it was a super kind of crazy experience to watch this level of execution just in in the pursuit of uh, an ideal absolutely um and you mentioned how i guess uh how how, how motivating inspiring the, the the event was especially towards the end and you mentioned that you shed a shed a tear towards the end of that race and um i yeah, guess yeah I mean, it would have been point, absolutely fascinating i have to admit i did i did get <laughs> misty-eyed um <laughs> it was raining perhaps so it was, you perhaps it was hide the it. high dew point it may have been the dew point <laughs> on the morning but um there was noticeable fogging uh in my sunglasses <laughs> and there was no reason for me to be wearing sunglasses because it was cloudy and rainy <laughs> um no but just to watch Elliot kipchoge really commit and i mean that in like a bunch of senses of the word to commit his spirit and his body and his mind uh, uh, to this unprecedented task was beautiful to watch for most of it. But then in the end, it was so excruciating as he was like straining, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's tough to relate to other people who don't have kids. But, you know, when you're watching your kids figure out life, when you're watching your kids um, you know, you know, you and I, we have success and failure, you know, perhaps in equal measure and we're figuring out for our own and we don't ask anybody to feel sorry for us, but to watch your kids, um, try and fail, whether that's, um, try to ride a bicycle and fall or, you know, make a team or, you know, run for student government president or, 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 or in the spelling bee, or even just, you know, falling down at the playground and skinning their knee. It's tough to watch another human being attempt something that they've never done before uh, and, and to be fearless in doing that pursuit. And that's what it was like watching Elliot Kipchoge come so close to breaking two hours for 26.2 miles. It was, it, it, hit, it hit me in the heart. Um, and to watch him finish, I, I cried. And then immediately after he finished, I thought, man, this guy did it because he thought he could do it. Yeah. And he didn't believe in any barriers. I mean, Nike marketing aside and, 
you know, the, the shoe and the preparations and the science behind it and the empirical conditions and the marginal gains, man, I just saw him finish and I thought, this guy doesn't believe in limits. This guy doesn't believe this guy thought he could do it. And then in the next instance, I was like, what's holding me back from my potential? What's holding me back from my goals? And yeah, I don't even mean like my running goals. Sure. My running goals are, you know, I could train that much harder, you know, I could go on the wagon that much sooner. (laughs) You know what I mean? I could, I could kind of like scuttle, you know, various aspects of my life and commit to something and running, but also on a life level, what's keeping me from being a better father and a better partner and a better friend and a better son and a better brother, you know, like what's keeping me from being a better citizen of the United States of America. Like, Like what's keeping me from being like a writer that I've always dreamed of being, you know, watching Elliot Kipchoge at Monza, made me reflect on all the other aspects of my life outside of running. And I think that's part of the power that this man holds for us at this time in our culture. Oh, that's perfectly said. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'll let you go soon. I'll thank you very much for, no, for everything today. Um, I guess very quickly, I'd like to just, uh, maybe we can talk about um, just quickly where people can, can learn a bit more about, black roses uh first run you have a very a very cool instagram account um and the handle is first run at, at first run yeah at first, at first run. run that's that's for better or for worse the only place to find me unless you want to like come to new york and like hang out um, <laughs> and then you know I'm, I'm I'm spinning records with friends at a reggae club or, or or hanging out in the park so come to new york and hang out but if you can't do that um, yet check me out on Instagram at first run. I've never been on Facebook. I don't have a Facebook account okay. and Twitter didn't work for me. As you can tell from, uh, the wordiness and the verbosity in this conversation, uh, I Twitter, I never, I never figured out Twitter. So, um, Instagram is, is, is where I'm at. Awesome. Thank you very much once again, Knox. And, Thank uh, you, yeah, uh, Matthew and, and Sweat Elite. I'm, I'm super excited to participate in the conversation. I love what you're doing. Shout out to everybody who, who who's uh, a part of Sweat Elite and, and is a fan of your stuff because I'm a, I'm a fan too, man, for sure. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening in to that podcast episode with Knox Robinson. We've got quite a few very good guests coming up in the near future on the podcast. So, so to stay up to date with the podcast episodes, the best way to do that is to go to our website, sweatelite.co and put your email address into the strip at the bottom of the page that has access to our email list and will notify you upon new podcasts being put out. Don't forget to check out our new book that you can find on Amazon that has already hit the number one in the running and jogging category on Amazon, which we're really stoked about. Uh, It's the book called Elliot Kipchoge, History's Fastest Marathoner. And it's basically just a story about our trip to Kenya last year in August when the two of us, Tate and myself, went to train in Captagat, Kenya with Elliot Kipchoge's group. It goes into detail about all of his training, the culture there, the attitude, and plenty more. So don't forget to check that out on Amazon. Until next time.